0: Know a lot about golf. Well, we're waiting.
1: And that means it is time for us, those weekend golf guys. John Ashton here in studio, Jeff Smith at the Sagamore, Noblesville, Indiana. We've got another guy coming up later on in the show you may have heard of, named Bobby Weed and he is one of the premier golf architects in the world started his life i mean this is what triggered it in our head started his life as an apprentice to Pete Dye and you know what that means that he had a hand in designing some very tough golf courses but i think his approach is a little bit different now and uh, you can you can actually play a Bobby Weed design and probably lose only two or three balls instead of six <laughs>
0: The the question is is how many uh, bad words will you say during the, during the course of the round of one of his golf courses? Yeah, I, I was talking to a guy. Uh, you know what? Really? Go on. Maybe I'll have to ask him.
2: That.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: Write
1: that down. But that's that's coming up a little bit later on in the show. i also going to talk about uh, a few more techniques. But you know we have been we have been talking about over the past few weeks about moving up about leaving your ego in the parking lot and taking your bags to the golf cart loading up and going to the tees that match your ability rather than your age or what you think you should be doing. I mean, they call them the senior tees, but they play about around probably average about 54 to 5800 yards on most golf courses. Is that is that correct, Mr. Jeff?
0: Good. Yeah, a lot of them are about that way, you know. Some of them will, will stretch out to, you know, 6000 yards yeah. and and realistically, that's not bad. That is not bad at all.
1: You don't want to be that that guy. You don't want to be that guy who plays from the blue tees because he's 30 years old and thinks he needs to play from the blue tees because that's what a 30-year-old golfer should do. And proceed to get lucky to hit it past the very forward tees, heretofore known as the ladies' tees. And you know the penalties for that. And it's not pretty at all. So we have been taking our own medicine. We have been following our own advice for a change and have been playing last few weeks from the forward tees. And I got to tell you, man, it's it's not a new game, but it sure is a game that is a lot more fun. I have found one thing, and we discussed this last week, and it bears repeating. My drives are longer, and I don't mean finishing farther down the fairway because I'm moving up a tee, but they're longer than they ever were from the white tees, distance-wise. I used to hit it like 225, 230. Now, man, I measured every drive I hit on Sunday, and the minimum was 248, and the highest was 260.
0: How can that be? You keep listening. You keep listening. Yeah, I do. Not only are you watching my videos on the $5 Golf Club, but you have been listening to me for a while.
1: Yes, I have. That paying attention thing pays off, man.
0: Yeah, it it tends to. Mm -hmm. But psychologically speaking, there's a couple things that happen. Okay. So let's say that you're standing on the back tees, right? What goes through your brain?
1: Oh my God, I'll never now get there. Now sudden you here. got a
0: 430. Right? Yeah. But yet, instead of deciding, "Hey, look, I'm going to hit my normal shot and hit another normal shot and then just hit a wedge onto the green," your brain's still telling you it's a par four, four Right. hundred thirty yards now, yeah. but par four. So your brain says, "All right, I'll just hit this tee shot." a good 30 yards further than I ever hit my tee shot. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> so I can, right. So I can, right. But that's kind of where this starts, right? Yeah. I'm on a tee that's 30 yards back. So therefore I got to play from the same place and hit the screen. So I need my driver. This is how club manufacturers sell drivers, by the way. Yeah. I need my driver to go an extra 30 yards just this one time. Now let's just say, that you haul off and you hit one, and it actually does. Miracles have happened uh-huh. in different locations <gasps> in the world, time frame. But this time it happened to you, right? <laughs> and you got the one. Yeah. What happens on the next time you hit your driver? Expectations of that one. Mm-hmm. Right. So this psychological warfare that you're putting yourself under, most of the time does not allow that one miracle to happen. Right. Right. Most of the time you swing extra hard, you tense up and you hit it poorly. And now you're extremely far from the green. And then your brain says, I got this. I got a three wood. And you become determined to pummel that three wood or that ball with that three wood to the point where it just breaks. (laughs) And, that doesn't work out so well in your favor either. Mm -hmm. So now all of a sudden there's dejection has set in because the manhood has been challenged two times in a row and it has come up short. Yeah. So you got issues, right? Yeah. So let's understand that the psychological effects for most people, most of the time when they're playing too far back is it creates nothing but frustration because they think that they need to hit the ball farther than they normally could. Right. Now the phenomenon of standing on a tee that's short enough and lets you go, fine, I'm good. I could just hit this thing a smooth, easy drive. Heck I'll have a wedge to the green. This is great. Right now. All of a sudden your brain is going, Hey, I think this is all right. I can play golf now. And you know what happens? You play golf. more often than not, you hit your best shot of the day. Yeah. Not the longest one, just the best one, and they go farther than those ones that are all stress-filled, that are trying to hit it far, because you've got a nice, free-flowing, easy swing. All you're trying to do is smack it right through the front of the golf ball, right down the middle of the fairway, and lo and behold, your evidence is in front of you, John. You've told me I've been hitting the ball longer. I've been hitting the ball straighter. I'm hitting the ball longer than the difference between the two tee boxes. Yes. So let's say that you're you're 30 yards further down the fairway than you normally are, but there's only 20 yards difference between the tee that you normally play and the one you're playing now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Do That's the math. That's part of the deal. Do the math. All right. That'll be all the math. Right all the math so far that we need for today uh we'll we'll talk some more technique for uh longer shots better shots more accurate shots and hence more fun on the course and uh golf course architect bobby weed coming up with a great conversation a little bit later on in the show we are those weekend golf guys and you need to hang out with us I've got a buddy that I play golf with on a regular basis, and we got into a two-man scramble at a very classy golf course, and he called and basically told me to wear something really nice. What he was saying was, John, don't wear shorts. Even though my shorts are Peter Millar shorts and they're really nice, he wanted me to wear long pants. This guy's a traditionalist. So what did I do? I pulled the Peter Millar five-pocket pants out of the closet and put them on. These things are so soft, so comfortable, and stylish. Not only did we look good on the golf course in the two-man scramble, which we won, by the way, but right afterwards, I went out to dinner with my daughter at a very nice restaurant. They are machine washable, so you can wear them to the golf course, you can wear them out to eat, you can wear them wherever you want to. Did I mention they were comfortable? Five pocket pants, the most comfortable pair of pants that I've really ever had. And you can say that about everything from Peter Millar, too. Their shorts are so soft. The shorts that I wear on most occasions when I play golf, well, they're great, too. Why don't you head over to PeterMillar.com slash weekend right now and check out some of our favorite Peter Millar clothing, okay? Uh, And make sure to use our link and you will receive complimentary shipping and a free hat. That's right, complimentary shipping and a free hat. That's Peter Millar, M-I-L-L-A-R.com slash weekend. Peter slash weekend. Go now. It's us back again. The Weekend Golf Guys. John Ashton in the studio. Jeff Smith at the uh, Golf Cave at the Sagamore in Noblesville, Indiana. Just a little bit north of Indiana, uh, Indianapolis. Indiana City. Yep. Just Indiana City?
0: Yeah. Well, that's what Indianapolis yeah, means. That's on the map that way? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what the that's what, the, yeah. that's what it means on the map. I'll
1: yeah. do the translating. I uh, got no problem doing that. You do the golf instruction. Okay, man, we we've right. been we've been talking about how how when you're less stressed when you're closer than you think you should be or you know, closer than you've ever been before because you are playing from the tees that best suit your game. Let's let's talk about the seven, the eights, and the nine irons. Are there different techniques to, to hitting those correctly as opposed to, you know, fairway woods or hybrids or three and four irons and stuff like that?
0: Well, yeah, there sure are. You know, there, a lot of people, John, swing a little differently. But there's some people who are built really well to swing those longer shafted clubs, you know, the guys that hit their woods very well and they and they pull out a five iron out of their bag and they put in a six hybrid instead because they just seem to sweep it a little bit better than others, right? Mm. You seen those guys? Yes. And then all of a sudden there's other people that are built the opposite way who really don't strike their fairway woods and driver very well, but man, they just blister their irons and they'll carry up to a two iron in their bag. Yeah. And you'll think, Well, what is it? Well, sometimes it's their height, right? And sometimes you know, the taller players can get by with a steeper arc because it's more natural for them, and they can hit irons better. And some of the shorter guys tend to hit fairway woods better. Some of it's height. Some of it's uh, arm reach. Reading that your arms can stick out so far from your body down and out to get it, right? But some people have a little extra long in the arms, and all of a sudden they can stand a little taller. The arms will swing down there a little bit, and they'll just blister their irons. So sometimes the technique matches the body type, but sometimes you could train something to happen. Like, John, how can I get you, the same guy that you know hits hits the driver pretty well now and the fairway woods pretty well now, how can I make sure he gets his irons pretty well? And sometimes I can adjust how far you stand from the club. Sometimes I can adjust how tall you stand at posture. Sometimes I can adjust the ball position in your swing. Okay. So maybe I moved okay. the ball a little bit further closer to you and a little bit further back. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you became a guy – whose arms extend down and out and strike a golf ball really cleanly, and you put this beautiful little draw on it because of where I put the ball in your golf swing. Now, all of a sudden, you'd strike it differently than what you were before with the woods and irons, and the truth is is that the, the 7, 8, and 9, they're the ones you're going to have in your hand a lot.
1: Yep.
0: So you're going to want to master those things and yep. figure out where do I want my ball to be, what kind of shot shape do I want to have, how high do I want to see it, You're going to see all those things and you're going to figure it out. You come to a guy like me and we got five minutes into it and we're done with that.
1: So happy to hear you say that because that's exactly what I found I needed to do with my seven, eight, nine iron is put the ball almost exact middle of my stance and stand a little bit um, further away from it. But for the most part, man, it's going exactly where I aimed now that I know how to actually aim a shot and now that I know how to make sure the club face is going to be correct at address, which I have learned both from you, um, I, I'm, I'm hitting greens. I mean, the, the first nine holes of my last round of golf, I, I parred the, the five
0: of them. It, it's like, that's pretty strong. Who is this guy? You know, <laughs> <laughs> you've learned enough from me over the course of the years to know that there are small changes that you can make in your setup that get you completely different contact. And the biggest thing is learning what those things are for you. The second biggest thing is after you learn what those are for you is
1: remembering what those are for you.
0: Yeah. Memory is the second thing to go, (laughs) right? It
1: is. (laughs) I tell people I have a memory like a steel sieve, man. (laughs) You go through yeah, 18 holes and, and you get the whole thing down and then, you know, a week later you go back again and it was, what did I do that time? What did I do? And then it comes back to you after a couple of holes. But I guess this is where, I don't know,
0: practice might come in? I don't know. Nah. It is it is where one of those, right, it could come in right here. This is a good thing. You could you could interject a little bit of that. Then you wouldn't have to rely on that memory you know, like, wow, I met that guy a couple of years ago, and I just can't remember his name. <laughs> yeah. Maybe if you yeah. met that guy a few more times, you would just be like, rote rehearsal. Hey, John, how you doing? Nice to see you again. Yeah, yeah I got gotcha, you, man. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit of memory there. Yeah. You got to make it a little bit more frequent, you know?
1: Well, and one of the things also that's an inspiration to to, to memorize it is both part threes on the front nine last Sunday. I didn't even feel the shot one of those perfect contacts. you don't the you don't even hear the ball clunk against the club face just an easy swing and a thwack and you don't feel the contact and it's just smooth and it flies exactly where you want it to go with a little bit of a draw and it hits the green and it checks up because I also finally came out of pocket and I Bought some very expensive golf balls. It's a great combination. You
0: you used to never play with those things. What's happening is your golf game's getting better for many reasons, part of which is you're using a golf ball that, since you're not losing them anymore, Mm -hmm. they're not so painful to buy but what happens john is that they hold the greens when you hit the green i've noticed that that. many of our conversations have been my rounds are getting better my irons are sticking on the greens i'm happy about that Mm -hmm. i'm rolling in my putts. you know what part of that is skill part of that is the fact that you're actually playing a ball that spins enough to hold a green it used to be that way he used to be really good at. Hey, uh, I found this one. Let's go play that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thing is relatively round and relatively white.
1: I am, I am sticking them great, which gets me to the green, which gets me to a question about the putting that uh, you alluded to earlier, and we will cover that as soon as we get back. We are those weekend golf guys. Stick with us. We have a small yet loyal following of junior golfers, 12 to 18-year-olds. I want to address myself to them right now. Listen, guys, girls, if you are serious about golf, there is a mom, there is a dad, there's a grandmother, a grandfather somewhere that are so psyched, but maybe they don't show it. They don't want to push, but they would love you to get involved in the game of golf. So why don't you go to them right now? Say, Mom, Dad, Grandpa, Grandma, I want to get better at this game. I want to get good at this game. I want to learn from a guy who has junior champions, high school, collegiate champions. He's even got a student who's kicking butt on the web.com tour. And it only costs 5 bucks a month. And I can learn at my own pace. And parents are going to be able to learn from their phones, which you know they don't drop out of their hands anyway. $5golfclub.com. Join for your kid's sake. Back in the early 2000s, some department store here in town heard me talk about golf on my morning show on the radio, and they decided that they'd bring me a couple samples of Peter Millar golf shirts. I was hooked. They were absolutely phenomenal. Probably the best looking and the most comfortable golf shirts I ever had. Not only does it feel wonderful, it looks fantastic, it helps protect you from sun, it fits great, it looks great, and you can wear it anywhere. I mean, it's not just for golf anymore, guys. Peter Millar, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go to Peter Millar, that's M-I-L-L-A-R dot com slash weekend. Check their stuff out. I will uh, guarantee you that you'll want some. And once you get one piece, yeah, you're going to be coming back more and more and more. It's Peter Millar, M-I-L-L-A-R dot com slash weekend. And if you do buy something, you're going to get free shipping and a free hat petermillar.com slash weekend. And we're back those weekend golf guys. John Ashton in studio. Jeff Smith up at uh, the Sagamore in Noblesville, Indiana. Deep in the heart of the golf cave up there, making uh, Hoosiers. Much better on the golf course. And anybody else who wants to uh, check him out at $5GolfClub.com because the guy is a genius when it comes to making you better at golf. I can attest to that as we have been talking about so far. Bobby Weed, golf architect, studied under Pete Dye. But for, I guess, the good news is uh, that whole making a golf course as difficult and unfair as possible is not his mantra. It's Pete Dye's. So we'll talk to Bobby about making golf a little bit easier. But we're talking to Jeff about making golf a little bit easier right now. I noticed something that finally dawned on me. It's, it's really strange. And I need you to tell me if my eyes are bad or if this is something, a phenomenon that happens with a lot of people. But a setup to my putts. A lot of them were going right of where I expected them to go, going right of where I thought I was aiming them to go. And I could not, as much as I tried, I couldn't blame it on the contour of the green. You know, I like to say, oh, I didn't see that break. Well, it wasn't a break. It was me. I was doing it badly. I was pushing it in that direction. I found when I set up with my putter and the head of the putter to me looks like it's towed in where it would push the ball to the left. I actually hit it straight. What am I doing right, wrong, or indifferent there?
0: Let's think about what the ball's going to do right away. It's in relationship to the face angle of the putter. Right. You could set it up left and stroke it left all you want, but if at the time that putter touches the ball, it's facing straight, then it doesn't really matter. So, now, you think about that, and you go, why would that be? Because if, it, if I do that with a full swing, it really matters it spins the ball off to the right truth is ball's not getting compressed it's instantly off the face of the club cuz the thing's not moving very hard so just know that the face angle is the starting angle and the, the swing direction does not mean anything in relationship to the face position at all as a matter of fact it's been tested and proven with humans and in robots on perfect surfaces and measured many times over That if your putter face is at zero degrees offline, absolutely, positively, 100% dead center on a 10-foot straight, flat, no breaking, no tilting, not up, not down putt, dead flat, and you could be stroking it as far as seven degrees left or right. If that putter face is at zero degrees, that ball not only starts at zero degrees, it never leaves the target line, ever until it goes into the back center of the hole, and you're moving the club at least seven degrees either way. Compare that, John, to if your putter is two degrees off from five feet and the putter uh, swinging direction is left or right by zero degrees. If the putter face is off by two, it will miss, Yeah. even if the putter is swinging dead straight at it. So as you sit there and think about what you just said, you got to know the face angle is everything. I guess what
1: I need to figure out then, and there are probably some techniques I can use uh, on the green, on the practice green, to figure this out. But I'm just wondering if when the putter head looks like it's going to hit to the left, it's actually straight. Is that a, a perception problem on my part because of the angle I'm looking down at it, or is my swing such that when it when I set up angled a little bit to the left, when I actually hit, it's it's straight.
0: Well, the thing what I would want to find out first is I'd want to find out if at the time you set it up, the putter face was exactly where you wanted it to be or not. And the easiest, simplest way to do that is to set up with a ball there and then bend down, leave the putter exactly as it is, bend down, knock the ball out of the way, and put the head of a tee onto the face of your putter and let it point, let the the tee point wherever the face of the putter is. Right. And if you got that thing flush up against the head of the tee, then you just walk away, take the putter and you walk away, turn around and look at where that face angle is. And you'll find out if you can aim where you think you're aimed or not.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's a
0: good way. Do it to a know. few times. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's easy. You know what, it.
0: John? Not only is it a good way to do it, it is free. Yeah. I love that part. <laughs> Because so little in this game
1: is. <laughs> that's right. Although practice is always free. Yeah, because you can show up that's, at a golf course right. and just you don't even have to have a tee time. Just go up to the practice green and putt. No one will come out and say, "Hey, what are you doing?" Cool beans. That's well, I'll right. have to. I'll have to check that out because again, that the whole putting thing. I've I've got yeah. one of those. Um, uh, what do they call it? It's it's the Seymour putter with the little red line on with the, the back. lines
0: on it and everything yeah yeah
1: you're supposed to right. you know cover the red line with the shaft yeah. and it's it's straight
0: yeah but you know right. what's interesting is it tells you that your put up your setup perpendicular to you right 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 your putter face is perpendicular to your eye line that's yeah. what that shows you
1: yeah yeah it
0: doesn't show you that it's actually pointed at your target or not that's true that is true yeah yeah i'd much rather know if my putter face is pointed at my target than just pointed somewhere in relationship to me
1: And the the practice whole deal uh, with the, and and again, it's something you remembered, but just put the putter head down, put the tee on and see where the tee goes. And then you can make whatever adjustments for your eyesight uh, or lack thereof, (laughs) your perceptions uh, you need to do. You will learn a lot about yourself. Yeah. I'm not sure I really want to, you know, what can I say? Yep. And again, man, there is no way to really judge the speed of a green other than putting on it and and trying to get some feel down i i just wish there were a chart you know that you could say listen if the, if the green speed is an h here's how far back you take the putter head or you know it's it's just so difficult any way you can make it easier for us man yeah okay
0: yeah a good routine really makes really makes that helpful okay you know it it calms the mind it puts you in a state of hey guess what um, I hope that you get to get set up in the same way every time because all of a sudden it, t- it puts you in this state of, all right, it's the same thing I do every time. I'm aiming. I'm putting. I'm just going to hit it that distance. And you get it as simple as possible. I hope that for you. Because that way you don't go through what's this putt for, what's it mean, oh my gosh, this is a birdie putt, or boy, I hope I don't three putt this because if I do, then, you know, intrepid producer Mark is going <laughs> to laugh me off the golf course and I owe him a pizza and a beer. Yeah, you I know? hate that. <laughs> you know, it, it's a matter of it, the routines are there for your mind. Okay. They're there for you to be calm. And I hope that everybody listens to this and understand that just having a good set routine – in terms of time, in terms of the simple things that you do, I really hope that they get it so that they get it. So that it's simple, quick, and it gets it. So nothing else enters their mind. I guess. Okay. Because they put so much better. Yeah. Cool.
1: All right. Well, I hope it helps. Yep. Uh, if you want to check it out more in depth, $5 golf Jeff's got a whole bunch of videos there that is going to make this whole game Go so much easier for you. You want to talk about easier? Mm-hmm. Why don't we talk to Bobby Weed, a golf course architect who's uh, doing, a, doing a project right now for Michael Jordan. I mean, how cool can that get, right? We're going to be calling. Uh, yeah. We're going to be. Having a conversation with Bobby Weed when we come right back. We are those weekend golf guys. Hang out with us. Would you like to get all this stuff a couple days early and totally commercial free? We can make that happen. Patreon.com slash golf guys. P-A-T-R-E-O-N ncom slash golf guys. For as little as a buck a month, you can become a sponsor and a patron. And we would appreciate it immensely. You want to see how great a golf instructor Jeff Smith really is? It's very easy. $5golfclub.com. The number $5golfclub.com. Back in the early 2000s, some department store here in town heard me talk about golf on my morning show on the radio. And they decided that they'd bring me a couple samples of Peter Millar golf shirts. I was hooked. They were absolutely phenomenal. Probably the best looking and the most comfortable golf shirts I ever had. Not only does it feel wonderful, it looks fantastic. It helps protect you from sun. It fits great. It looks great. And you can wear it anywhere. I mean, it's not just for golf anymore, guys. Peter Millar. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go to Peter Millar. That's M-I-L-L-A-R dot com slash weekend. Check their stuff out. I will uh, guarantee you that you'll want some. And once you get one piece, yeah, you're going to be coming back more and more and more. It's Peter Millar, M-I-L-L-A-R dot com slash weekend. And if you do buy something, you're going to get free shipping and a free hat. Peter Millar dot com slash weekend. back these are we are these are those are whatever those weekend golf guys i i throw the words out you put them in whatever order seems to work for you correctly and uh, everything will be fine john ashton here in studio jeff smith at uh, sagamore up in noblesville indiana he will be jumping in and joining us shortly as soon as whoever he's got on the practice tee is sufficiently improved on the line with us we are so pleased to have bobby weed who is one of the premier golf architects in the world and bobby first off thank you for uh, joining us here on those weekend golf guys how you doing today you working hard
2: i am john thanks uh thanks for having me and i'm down in south florida and uh where we've been getting a little too much rain <laughs> but um we're um we're plugging along and uh, working every day and Life is good.
1: Yeah, you're down in South Florida designing and building a golf course for Michael Jordan. That's That's got to be a tough gig. We,
2: we are. It's a great assignment. We're in Hope Sound, just above Jupiter, Florida, um, where quite a few of the tour pros are now taking up residence mm-hmm. and um, living and playing down here. We've got some great golf courses down here, and uh, we are working on another... Uh, golf club it'll be uh, it'll be a private members invitation only club that uh, Michael Jordan is going to be the owner and uh, is involved and uh, spending quite a bit of time out here with him he comes out fairly frequently and uh, very much involved in every aspect of what we're doing it's hard to find someone more passionate than MJ he uh, he loves the game and uh, ideal day for him would be to play 36 holes Uh, And would do it every day if he has a chance.
1: Now, Bobby, you you started your career as an apprentice to Pete Dye, who's a, a, a name that everybody recognizes in the golf world. We have played often at the Pete Dye course up in French Lick, Indiana. And they have a statue of him out front of the clubhouse. And on it is a quote that says, golf is not a fair game. Why should I design a fair golf course? (laughs) <laughs>
2: well, true words have never been spoken—that's for sure. Um,
1: do you subscribe uh, to that theory?
2: I, <laughs> well, I think we all do to some degree. I mean, golf—the game of golf—is not easy. It's not an easy game. No, it's and, not. Um, I think what our charge is today is uh, is is really try to build some more fun, interesting golf courses. Um, you know, the caliber of golfers today is, is so dynamic and different than ever before. I mean, the range of golfers is greater than ever and designing and building a golf course today, you really want to understand who you're building a golf course for. Um, It's different when I was with the PGA tour um, building these tournament player club courses, because Mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're building those kind of golf courses uh, for tour events and uh, you have to accommodate the best players in the world. But at the same time, you need to accommodate the folks that are playing the golf course 51 weeks of the year. So yeah. I think therein lies the new challenge for us as architects to, to be able to build golf courses that, um, you know, that can serve up a challenge for, you know, higher handicappers and beginning golfers all the way down to the best players in the world. And, uh, that's not an easy task. It's pretty easy to build a hard golf course. Right. Uh, yeah. I think it's much more difficult, much more challenging to build a golf course that's, um, that's playable and user-friendly for all caliber golfers
1: yeah you want it to be challenging on one hand but you don't want it to be punitive on the other for those you know millions of us that are not the best golfers in the world
2: like pete I used to always tell me once you leave because you know i always hear people say well you know that area over there is not in play or this area is not in play and and Pete always had a comeback and quickly would remind everybody that, hey, when you leave the tee, it's all in play.
1: <laughs> that explains a lot about French licks layout, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> when you look at, at a piece of land, how easy is it to see a golf course there just before anything happens?
2: Well, there's a lot of layers. I mean, we typically start out with some good um, topographic maps, some good aerial photography of the site. You really want to understand the opportunities and the constraints on the property. We're always very interested in knowing how to get the water off the property, where the outfalls are, where we can get rid of water, where the drains are, and, uh, and kind of work from there. So, uh, you know, it's a little bit of a process of elimination. You understand your roadways, uh your access points um the vegetation the topo if there is any here in Florida there's not as much as yeah. you have in Indiana and some other areas like where you are in Louisville mm-hmm. but um, you you really you really just um get out on the property and understand all the opportunities and constraints and, and work from there and and uh understand you know from your ownership group uh really what you're trying to build a golf course for um uh, uh be- and, and who you're building the golf course for? Most importantly, I think. So uh, uh, after that, you're just you know you're just kind of playing with some routing plans and trying to get some good orientation that has some diversity and understanding the wind conditions and the seasonal weather patterns and conditions. Because like here in Florida, particularly in South Florida, you know in the summertime the prevailing wind is going to be uh, pretty much out of the south and southeast, and then in the wintertime. Uh, which is typically your season down here for uh, for most of your play, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's coming out of the north and northeast and sometimes northwest. So you have to take all of that in consideration during the design process. And it's good to get as many holes as you can in different directions whenever possible. And it depends on the site constraints and how much property you have to work with. And there are a lot of variables that go into it.
1: Have there been any major projects that, I guess the question is have you turned down? I mean you you look you look at, at who you're building for and where they wanna build and what they wanna do and you just have to say, I'm sorry, but it's not possible.
2: Oh, I think there have been some of those on occasions where it just didn't make economic sense or, you know, it was going to be a, a failure from the very beginning um, based on site constraints or, you know, not enough property. Uh, there, there are a lot of factors that go into it. But, you know, typically there are two questions that I always want to ask early on, you know, how are you funding the project and um, do you own the property? <laughs> and, um, you know, pretty basic, pretty basic, simple questions and, uh, and understanding the ownership, uh, whether it be a single owner or a group or a corporation, I think is very important because in our business, particularly um, as a golf course architect, we're developing relationships. Uh, I want to enjoy, I want to enjoy what I'm doing. I want to enjoy the ownership. I want to enjoy building something that's going to be there for a long time. And I want, I want to build something and design a golf course that's going to be successful as well and be enjoyable. By you know, whoever's playing it, whether it be a, a municipal golf course, private resort, um, daily fee, it doesn't really matter. I, I want it to be successful, as as everyone does.
1: All right, Mister Jeff is here, I believe. I have
0: finally made it. All
1: righty, sir. This whole teaching golf up in Indiana can get to be a a chore sometimes. But Bobby Weed is with it, us here. It is like,
0: hey, that's great. Hi, Bobby. Thanks for joining our hey, show. Hey, Jeff.
2: You bet. Good to be here.
0: Or, or maybe it's just the other way around. How about me joining your show? <laughs> the way it worked out today, right? <laughs> That's right.
2: That's right.
0: That's right. All right, so listen, Bobby, I've, I've been
1: talking to Bobby from, from the standpoint of being a bad amateur golfer, but he needs to get some, some questions from, from a PGA professional about golf course design. I'm sure you have more insight into it than do I.
0: No, I just have different questions.
1: Okay, whatever. (laughs)
0: All right, so, Bobby, let's think about this from when you get a a handle on, you know, somebody hires you and they say, we want you to build a golf course or redesign our golf course so that it is a a little bit more challenging to the better players and yet still friendly to uh, the, the regular guy. Does that not cause a lot of consternation in your
2: head? Well, it's certainly a challenge. Uh, without question, Jeff, as I was mentioning to John earlier, I mean, we first thing we want to do, we want to understand who's playing the golf course and um, and and or who are we building a golf course for? Um, so I, I think that's important. But, uh, yeah, it's it's much more difficult today than ever before building a course to challenge, you know, caliber players like yourself and, and the tour pros. Um, versus John and higher handicappers and even beginning golfers because, you know, we still need to introduce new folks to the game. Therein lies the challenge of, of trying to build a fun and interesting golf course, um, but at the same time, um, knowing that, you know, you're going to be hosting some qualifying events or you're going to be hosting some sectional events or, or even a tour event, uh, some amateur-type yeah. events. So, I mean, it's important to understand um, those goals and objectives on the front end so that uh, you can you can dial that in during the design process.
1: How did you know my game so well so that you can look at a golf course and say, well, this is where John's going to hit his tee shot. Let's put a sand trap there.
2: <laughs> well, we're, we're actually just, uh, you know, those bunkers are... While while you may look at them as hazards, but they they truly do add interest to a golf course, and they make every golf course unique and interesting. And uh, you know it's just part of the navigation process of uh, of playing around the golf right. and uh, and tacking your way around hole by hole, and you know uh, knowing when you can, you know how far you know how far you can fly the ball, and and you know that's the mental side and the physical side of the game that has should have a an equal balance that we're always working on, um, you know that that you can play and enjoy and get around and um, and also be a challenge for the for the tour players. Uh, you know, nobody nobody likes to go out and lose three, four, five, six balls around. Um, that's a bit of a turnoff. So, uh, um, you know, in force carries, I think you have to be a little conscious on force carries. Uh, you, you can create some really challenging. Um, golf holes and pin placements without being overly penal uh, and finding ways for people to get to the green. Alice Dye used to always say, you know, try to minimize your force carries and, uh, and uh, the 90% of the people play the game on the ground. So don't forget the fact <laughs> that the majority of the people play the ball on the ground. And um, I think you should take that in consideration when you're building hazards, because you put putting hazards in front of a green really doesn't bother a good golfer no. uh, because they're playing the ball in the air. Right. and uh, But it means everything to a higher handicap golfer trying to get to the green.
1: Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Hey, listen, Bobby, need you to uh, hang out with us if you would be so kind. You've got a lot more questions to ask you about, not just about your golf course design, but about some of your, uh, your work off the golf course also that I think we all need to know about. We will be right back with more Bobby Weed right here with those Weekend Golf Guys. Hang out with us. Hey, Jeff, I got a letter, $5 golf club. It was addressed to you, but it came to me. But it said, Jeff, man, I took your advice. From the show, twice. One, you advised me to join 5 dollars I did. Two is you advised me to buy the best ball I, I could afford, and I'm getting those Strixons, Q-Stars. I'm paying about 36 bucks a dozen for them. So said, I used to lose two balls a round, and I played a round a week. That's eight balls a month. That's $24 oh. a month. He said, after some of the lessons at $5 Golf Club, I'm not losing that many anymore. I lose maybe three a month. That's nine bucks. Ooh. Yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah.
0: Wait a minute. I think that's good math.
1: It's good math, man. He's spending nine bucks on lost balls, five bucks on us. That's 14 bucks. He's still making a $10 profit.
0: (laughs) That's right. Go to com. listen to me, and make money. How do you like that?
1: Yep, it's us back again, those weekend golf guys. John Ashton here in the studio, Jeff Smith at the Sagamore in Noblesville, Indiana, and Bobby Weed. Uh, in the weeds, in, in the bulrushes, in the marshes of South Florida right now, in the midst of designing and building a course for Michael Jordan, which will uh, probably be a thing of beauty to behold. We've got a lot more questions for you, Bobby. Thanks for hanging through the break with us here. And, uh, Mr. Jeff, you have a question and the floor, sir, is yours,
0: Bobby. I got a, i had an interesting thought, you know, cause I, I haven't, I rarely get to talk to, a, a, you know, a well-established, uh, golf course architect. And what if, you know, here's a, here's a group that comes to you and they've got this fabulous piece of property that you can picture in your head all of these gorgeous yet very challenging golf holes and they say we'd like you to make this golf course so it's just pretty much for everybody to play what happens in your head at that point
2: well i'm i'm never going to turn down a bad sight uh first and foremost and uh you're always looking for great sites, great property. You're always looking for sites with sand. Sand obviously affords you the most flexibility and opportunity. But, um, I mean, I think what you're describing is uh, more often than not the norm um, for, 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 many, for many golf courses. We're not building many golf courses today from scratch. Uh, uh, you know, 20 years ago, we were building three and 400 a year. And now we're down to a handful or two a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, um, you know we're, re- we're we're rebuilding a lot of golf courses today, and we're doing some pretty substantial renovations on golf courses today, trying to upgrade them, trying to make them more competitive for today's marketplace. But um, I mean, therein lies a challenge of building a good golf course for the uh, for the for the modern game. Uh, and at the same time being you know cognizant of the beginners and, and the higher handicappers. And again, I think it just goes back to um, being smart and um, trying to give yourself, a, trying to build golf holes with a lot of variety and a lot of interest at the same time, while, while uh, minimizing force carries and allowing uh, the thumpers, the, the folks that hit the ball on the ground, a way to get to the green um, without putting the ball in the air so much. So, I mean, um, you know, creating a theme, finding a theme that fits the site, fits the property, and, uh, fitting a golf course into the available property. Um, you know, taking into account the, the vegetation, um, um, the topography, uh, any, any wetlands or water features or any site constraints, uh, all of that goes into, um, building a, building a good golf course that, you know, is going to be enjoyed by a lot of folks. And at the same time, hoping, Um, That you're, um, you know, some of these golf courses even operate as a profit center still today, and uh, that's always that's always a pretty big objective.
0: Wait a minute! Wait a minute!
1: (laughs) What did you just say? You're supposed to make money at this game, guys.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Believe it or not,
1: Bobby. If if you were to look back in your career, do you have a favorite project that you've done?
2: Um, You know, I have a. I have a lot of fond memories um, going back. Uh, you know, a lot of these golf courses, people ask you that question a lot. And, you know, they're kind of like your children in many ways. You, <laughs> know, um, uh, you love them. You love them. You love them all. And sometimes, some days, you have a favorite one uh, over others. Uh-huh. But, um, um, uh, you know, I always kind of go back and um, gauge and judge mine by. You know who i'm building a golf course for because uh the more informed and the more intelligent the owners are whether it be a group or an individual owner um you know those uh, those conjure up fond memories for me and obviously great sites and and putting together crews and teams to work on the project um you know there's a lot that goes into it, you know being the golf course architect we're just we're just kind of the quarterback on the team right um so to speak, because there's you know uh, we had lunch the other day we had a we had our owner bring lunch out for um um for our crew the other day here in South Florida on our job, and he's like, well, I'm gonna bring pizza out how many uh how many people do do I need to count on the feed and I'm like, mm." All in, probably seventy five. So, I mean, you've got you've got quite a you've got a quite a orchestra out there of workers. You know, yeah. putting in irrigation, right, um, right. building building greens features, and 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 there's a lot of folks out there. They they require a lot of coordination, and you got great field supervision, superintendents on site. Uh, And at the same time, you're just kind of out there being the conductor and uh, making it all, making it all happen together. So um, there's a whole lot that goes into uh, golf course construction. And that's been fun down here, bringing bringing, uh, Michael Jordan out and showing him around and, you know, kind of. Kind of seeing the golf course as it's being constructed, and uh, explaining to them, you know, about the pump stations and lake connectors, and and how we're building greens and why we're putting in drainage and the way we put in drainage, and talking a little bit about irrigation. And you know, people don't understand or see that type of um, um, of work uh, when they when they play a golf course because you know, seventy percent or more of the cost of a golf course is really truly underneath your golf shoes that yeah. you don't ever see. You just see the finished product.
1: Right. Right. While we have you here, can we, uh, can we get off the course for a second and talk about some of the, uh, philanthropic work you've been doing with your foundation?
2: Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. We have, my wife and I have a, um, 501 C3, um, uh, foundation. Um, we have a profoundly autistic daughter, who is nonverbal. She is now 20 years old and, um, she was diagnosed about 18 months old and, um, as, as being autistic. And, um, we, we really struggled. Uh, we struggled mightily in the trenches trying to understand autism and trying to understand what we had to deal with. And, uh, ultimately we were able to get our arms around it and, and navigate the process. Um, and as much as we struggled, we, we could see so many others like us struggling. So we, uh, we started a foundation, um, uh, called HEAL, H-E-A-L, uh, helping enrich autistic lives. And, um, it's been very gratifying for my wife, Leslie, and our, and all of our daughters. Our, our, our autistic daughter's name is Lanier. And, uh, you Google, you Google Lanier weed and you're going to find out a whole lot about our daughter, who is truly going to, is changing the world. Um, And um, it's been most gratifying to us, and we're helping lots of other families. And the PGA Tour, the PGA Tour, headquartered here in Ponte Vedra Beach, has embraced our our cause and have been a huge assistance to us along the way. And, And we help lots of families in the North Florida area. Uh, we raise a lot of money annually uh, with a couple of events, and uh, we uh, we we put on summer camps uh, all during the summer, and we provide education and awareness to all of these families, and uh, um, truly an outlet um, for for so many families that are impacted uh, by autism. And there's there's hardly a family on your street that doesn't have or has not been impacted by autism in some form or fashion. So uh, it's just our way of giving back, uh, my wife and I, and um, um, it's, um, it's, been, it's been really good for us. We've tried to raise our, our other daughters, you know, as being, um, as being givers, not takers in this world, and um, I think it's made us all, you know, much better.
1: Fantastic. Do you have a website for the foundation people can check out for more information, how to help out or get information for their own situations?
2: Yes, HealAutismNow.org
1: fantastic well listen bobby we have kept you long enough from your lunch we appreciate you being with us here on those weekend golf guys and uh, tell michael when the course is done we'd be more than happy to come down and play we'll do the show live down all right down. i'm sure he'd come love to
2: have down. us <laughs> come on down that's right all
1: right thanks guys bobby Weed, thank you very <laughs> thank much you sir we will talk to you Take later care. bye-bye sir and who says we don't know people huh bobby weed man he's Great golf architect. Yes, and as we said at the beginning, golf is hard. Weed makes it easier. Uh, So let's recap the entire day, if we can, for everybody. One is lower pressure when you play the forward tees means you're probably going to hit your drives further, straighter. Yes, get more yardage because you're not so uptight. You're not so tense. And then, of course, seven, eight, nine irons. Well, you probably have to make a few adjustments in order to uh, hit them the way you would like to be hitting them all the time. Again, listen more closely to uh, Jeff if that's a problem of yours. Or check out any of Jeff's videos at 5 dollars because he would be more than happy to uh, fix that for you. And it's going to set you back a whopping 5 bucks a month. You know, you lose one fewer Pro V1 and you 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 know you break even. You lose two fewer a month and you've made a profit. That's how we designed it there. Yeah, number five, dollargolfclub.com. Want to let you know that you can listen every week right here where you're listening now. Same time, same channel. Uh, anytime you miss an episode, don't fret. Thoseweekendgolfguys.com is where you can find us. We archive everything in a podcast version, and you can get that at thoseweekendgolfguys.com. Subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. That would be cool. And if you would like to maybe help sponsor, we would love your help. Uh, Patreon. Dot com slash golf guys Check it out. We'll make it worth your while. Until next time that we have a chance to talk, hey, go play some golf.